All right. Uh, you probably couldn't hear that if you were watching online. Tough. You should have been here in person. <laughs> then you could have heard it. Uh, that's a joke. That's a joke. Um, so we just read some scripture uh, where God uh, or David is praying to God, and he's basically saying, you made me in this awesome way. Like, you created all of these parts of me, these unique and special parts of me. And uh, you gave me this physical body. You created all of these parts of my body. And we know that God uses, um, in some mysterious way, he uses natural processes, right? And he uses our parents, and he uses genes, and he uses biology to create us. Um, And yet, he doesn't just give us souls, he doesn't just give us spirits. He actually gives us tangible, physical bodies. And so here's a statement for you today. I want you to really reflect on this. Your body is a gift. Like your body, your skin and your muscles and your bones and whether they work well or not, your body is a gift. It's a gift to you. It's a gift to the world. It's a gift from God. You, in the words of David, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I think this is a really important message, uh, particularly in our culture, to be able to look in the mirror and say, uh, my body is a gift. It was given to me by God. It's good and it's sacred. We said that during this series. It's a really important message in our culture because oftentimes it's not what we hear. And it's not what we think. We're often being told that we're not attractive enough, we're not skinny enough, we're not athletic enough, our bodies aren't good enough. And so we have to keep telling ourselves over and over and over, no, my body is a gift. It's a gift that God gave to me. But here's where I want to push us today. I want us to actually go past that and beyond that. We can't stop there. Because indeed, our bodies are gifts that God gave to us, and that should reshape how we think about our bodies. But they're not just gifts that we receive. They're also gifts that we need to give. Let me read you some words that Paul wrote. This is in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You might recognize some of these words. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So for the first 11 chapters of this book we call Romans, remember, it's just a letter that Paul wrote to his friends at Rome. So it's a letter he's writing. But for 11 chapters, it's a really long letter. He talks about all these gifts that God has given us. Gifts of, of grace and mercy. And, and he basically says, in light of all of that, in light of everything that God has given us, here's our response. I urge you to give or offer your, ba- your bodies back to God. And Paul uses um, this sort of Old Testament imagery of the, of the animal sacrifice. He says we should be living sacrifices. And for 
uh, all of us, that might recall images from the Old Testament, particularly the book of Leviticus. Remember, there's this book of Leviticus where it talks all about sacrifice. Of course you remember, because if you were here last year, we did an entire series on the book of Leviticus, 13 weeks. So if you were here, you're an expert on Leviticus. It's weird, and it's a strange book, but here's what we learned. Remember what we learned? We learned that animal sacrifices were part of ancient culture. So weird, strange, barbaric to us, not barbaric or weird or strange to them. It's just what they did. Sacrifices are also described in Leviticus as gifts or offerings to God. In fact, that's the word they use over and over and over. This animal, if I'm a farmer, if I'm part of ancient Israel, God gave me these animals, he blessed me with these animals, and now I'm just giving some back to him. And then sacrifices were typically given as an expression of joy, celebration, or gratitude, which is different. We usually think of, they they gave these sacrifices because of sin or because of guilt or shame or, or something wrong they had done, but most of the sacrifices described in the Old Testament are given out of a heart of gratitude or joy or celebration. So if we put the verse back up from the book of Romans, you can see Paul is using this Leviticus language and imagery to say, in response to the grace and the mercy and the gifts and all the things that God has given us, we joyfully and in gratitude give back to him. And we don't give him an animal sacrifice anymore. We give him ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's how we show our gratitude. Now, he actually doesn't say we give ourselves. That would have been easier to write, but he doesn't say that. He writes, we offer our bodies, our physical living bodies. He uses the word soma there. So this isn't about giving your heart to God. This isn't about giving your soul to God. There's other places where Paul talks about that. But here he says you give your bodies. We offer up our whole bodies to him. And it's pleasing and it's holy. And again, that's Leviticus language. In fact, it is our true act of worship. See, when we hear the word worship, we think of singing on Sunday, right? We think of gathering here. Uh, I went like that. That's not singing. That's playing a guitar. Uh, And we don't all do that. Brian does that. But he plays and we all sing and that's what we think of as worship. And that's true. That's part of worship. That's an important part of worship. There's something that happens when we actually sing songs, even if you don't like to sing and when we gather together. But Paul wants to push us even farther than that and say, here's the, the fullness of true worship isn't just gathering in a building to sing. It's giving our tangible, physical bodies to God. So here's a question that I want us to think about. How do I give my body to God? What does that mean specifically? Well, I'm going to give you some suggestions uh, next week. In fact, next week, I'm going to sort of provide a lot of practical implications and suggestions from this whole series. We're going to wrap it up in that way. So I hope you'll come back for that. But maybe in the meantime, you can just reflect on this question for yourself. What would it mean for me to give my ears, my eyes, the words that I speak that come out of my mouth, my feet, 
my gifts, my talents, the things that I can do with my body, what would it mean to give those, to give myself, to give all of who I am to God? Now, uh, Paul doesn't stop there. It's not just about giving our bodies to God. Look at what he says just a couple of verses later. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Now, pause real quick. The word grace just means gift in Greek. It means when you give something to someone that they didn't deserve or, or they didn't necessarily earn. So Paul's saying, just a reminder, remember the gifts that God has given to us. In light of that, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So don't think that the gifts given to you were just for you. It's not all about you. Don't take whatever God gives you and then hoard it as your own possession as if it's only for you and for your benefit. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. In other words, see yourself differently. Think about yourself differently. Think about yourself and see yourself the way God does. When you look in the mirror, see yourself the way that God does. Look at your body and see it the way God sees it. And when you begin to do that, when you have a different perspective and you see it's not just all about yourself, you'll begin to see that you are actually made, fearfully and wonderfully made, to be a part of something that is so much bigger. Here's how he explains it. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body, one soma, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body or one soma, and each member belongs to all the others. Here's how your life, Here's how the body that you've been given and the life you've been given fits into something so much bigger. You're actually part of a much larger body. You're part of a community of people. And the best way that Paul sees to think about this larger community of people is to think about them as a body. And he says, look, just like you have an individual body and your body is made up of all these different parts and each part does something specific, something unique, something significant. It's like you as a body are also part of a larger body and you have a role and a responsibility and you have something significant that you do and you contribute to the larger body, you belong. That's a key word. He says you belong to each other. You belong to a body. And then he tells us what all this means. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. All of this gift language. Think of yourself as a gift and you've been given different gifts. If your gift is prophesying, it's kind of a religious sounding word, but in the New Testament, prophesying just means uh, sharing God's truth with other people. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. See, every single part of our physical bodies has a purpose or a function. Your thumbs make it easy for you to pick things up. 
and work with your hands. Your feet are responsible for taking you places. Your ears are responsible for listening and and then sending that information to your brain. Your brain is responsible for processing that information. Your lungs are responsible for, for breathing in air and getting oxygen to the rest of your body. Each part of your body is unique and has an important function. And just as you have that in your own body, Paul says, you are actually play a role and have a function and have something to offer the wider body. And he gives a bunch of examples. And this isn't an exhaustive list. He actually gives some different lists in different places. So it's like he's just saying, hey, for example, um, maybe your gift is teaching. Maybe your brain is wired in such a way that you're really good at taking certain information or knowledge or skills and organizing it and putting it together and then dispensing it to others so that they can understand that knowledge or those skills. You should use that gift for the benefit of the whole community. Why would you keep that to yourself? In fact, you weren't given that gift for yourself. You were given it for the whole body. Maybe your gift is serving. Maybe you're good at doing things with your hands, cleaning things up, setting things up, helping other people get things done. Well, if that's your gift. If you're good at that, then you should contribute that and use that for the sake of the whole body. You should serve others. You should give that gift to others. Maybe your gift is mercy. Which when you think about showing mercy to someone, most of the time it's just showing up and being bodily present with them. Being there to listen to what they're going through if they're going through a tough time. Being there to give them a a shoulder to cry on, to help them find healing or or wholeness or, or just to be with them. God didn't give you that ability and that body and that heart and that compassion and that listening ear for others just to use yourself, he gave it to you for the sake of others so that you could give it to others. You see, your body is a gift. And it starts with understanding it's a gift that is given to you, but it cannot stop there. If it stops there, if we just focus on this gift given to me and what it does for me, well, then that's incomplete at best, And at worst, that's self-absorbed, right? No, your body is given to you as a gift so that you can receive it, but then so that you can also give it away. So that you can give it to God and so that you can give it to others. And it's no coincidence that as Paul thinks about how we give our bodies and ourselves away to others, the metaphor that he uses more than anything else is that you're actually part of something bigger. You're part of a larger soma, a larger body. And so he's gonna talk about this to his friends in Rome. He writes about this to his friends in Ephesus. He writes about this to his friends in Corinth. He writes all about it there, right? And so the question for us is how do we give ourselves, how do we give our bodies, our time and our our talents and our gifts and and the things that we can do, how do we give that to other people for their benefit, particularly other people within our community, within our community of faith? I think that's been hard during COVID, right? Over the last year, 
Some of us have stayed connected to one another. Some of us haven't. Many of us have lost that sense of belonging to something bigger, belonging to something larger, something that's greater than myself. And do you know how we can all regain that best? It's really simple. We just show up and we are bodily present with one another again in ways that we can just be together in body and in ways that we can serve and love one another with the gifts that God has given us. Now, we give our bodies to God. We give our bodies to each other. But there's one more thing that Paul adds to this discussion. One more way that we give our bodies away. So let me talk about this. And and it raises a few questions. And so I'll clarify a couple of things. And and then we'll wrap up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul writes about marriage to his friends in Corinth. And we actually read last week from 1 Corinthians. That's a letter he wrote to his friends in Corinth. And they had all kinds of questions and issues they were facing about uh, marriage and sex. And so Paul had to deal with a lot of things. And we read some of that last week in 1 Corinthians 6. And so right after that, he has a few things to say about marriage in 1 Corinthians 7. Listen to this. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body or soma, but she yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body or soma, but he yields it to his wife. Now, if you've ever heard or thought that Paul might be someone who's a little bit Uh, sexist in his views of women. He's certainly not here, right? He doesn't give any sort of one-sided equation here. He's not setting one person over another in the marriage relationship. There's other places where it seems like Paul says some things like that, but it's pretty clear in this passage and when he's writing here, marriage is a very mutual relationship, Everything that one partner gives to the other, the other partner gives back. All submission goes both ways. There is no sense of hierarchy in the marriage relationship. And what's so important for us to see as it relates to this discussion about our bodies is that Paul says, hey, if you're married in the married relationship, uh, you're actually giving your body away to your spouse to the person that you're married to. Wives, you're giving your body to your husbands. Oh, and husbands, in the same exact way, you are giving your body to your wives. You're actually submitting it to her. Literally, you are giving her the authority over your body. Now, just to be super clear about this, there's no hint or or place for abuse in this whatsoever. There is no place for demands in this. There's no place for either person in the relationship to take advantage of this in ways that usually men have historically done. This is always about mutual love and fidelity and commitment and giving one of the most precious things you've been given, your body, to someone else that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, your spouse. 
So we give our bodies to God. We give our bodies to each other, particularly within the community of faith as we serve and love each other. And if you're married, you give your body to your spouse. And if you're not married, well, Paul has some interesting things to say about that as well. Look at what he says. I I say this, and by this he means all the stuff I just said about marriage and giving your bodies and yourselves to one another. I say this as a concession, not a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, which, by the way, is single. Paul is not married. Paul is basically saying, look, if you have to get married right? Uh, If you meet somebody and you just can't live without them and you can't control yourself around them, then get married, right? But, But if that's not the case, it's way better if you just stay unmarried and stay single like me. And if you think I'm paraphrasing it all, listen to what Paul writes next. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Uh, Paul's basically saying, look, if you are burning with passion and you can't control yourself, then just get married and get a room, right? Just get going if you can't control yourself. But if you can, if you can, it's actually better to stay unmarried. And we have to ask why. Why? Why does Paul say that? Because it's the opposite of how most of us think, isn't it? It's the opposite of the overemphasis on marriage that we tend to see in churches and in our culture at large. It's the opposite of the way most of us think about marriage. We tend to think, well, if you have to stay single, that's kind of a bummer because, you know, marriage and love and romance is sort of the end goal and is so much better. And Paul seems to be saying the exact opposite. If you have to get married, well, bummer for you because staying single and staying unmarried is actually way better. Why would Paul say that? He actually gives us quite a long answer I want to read it for you real quick. Look what he says. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. These are really important verses. I don't read them or talk about them very often, but you know what Paul is saying? He's basically saying there's, there's only so much of you that you can give away to others, including your body, including your bodily presence. And when you're married, the focus is going to be rightly on your spouse. But if we're being realistic, that means you're not going to have as much to give to God and to give to others. 
You see, when you're unmarried, you don't have the kind of commitment that a married person has. You can give your whole self, body and spirit, to God and to others in ways that married people just can't do. And I've seen this, I've experienced this. I have more freedom when I was single, less as I've gotten married and now have kids. And Paul is not disparaging marriage and he's not disparaging kids at all. He's just saying, when it comes to giving yourself away, your, your talents and your strengths and the things that you can actually do that would, that would help other people, when it comes to giving yourself away, when you're not married, you have greater capacity to give more away to God and to others. And I think Paul is a pretty good example of this. And I think a guy named Jesus was a pretty good example of this as well. And so imagine with me for a second if New Denver Church was a place where people said, God has given me so much in my in my abilities and in my talents and in the things that I can do and the things that I can contribute, how can I begin to think about giving that back to him? And then imagine if, if New Denver Church was a place where, where we all said, how can we love and serve each other like a body that is working together? And how can we be a healthy body where whenever we see one person in need, we're there to help out. And whenever we see that there's needs, whether it's helping out on Sundays or helping out during the week or just in organic relationships, how can we be loving and serving and asking what has been given to me that I can give for the benefit of others? And then imagine if New Denver was a place where we honored and respected marriages and families and kids where spouses were equipped and helped to to love one another well and where parents were equipped and helped to raise their kids well and at the same time we also had a vibrant community of people of people who were unmarried and had the capacity to do even greater things and serve in even greater ways. And that wasn't seen as a burden and that wasn't even seen as a lesser option. In fact, we elevated that and said, you guys are the ones that are gonna lead us in showing us what it means to give your whole body and your whole spirit and your whole self to God. We need that kind of leadership and that kind of vision. You see, if I I saw a church like that, I think I'd want to be a part of it. I think that's the kind of body that I'd want to be a part of. And I pray that that's where our church is headed. Let me pray for all of us. God, we do pause to thank you for these bodies that you've given us. It's easy to lament Um, to be discouraged when they don't work well, when they're not exactly what we thought they should be. Um, But today we want to recognize that they're a gift that you give to us. And we don't always know how to give our bodies or our time or our strengths or our gifts or our abilities back to you, but I pray that you would help us begin to figure that out. 
And we don't always know how to do that with other people in the church or in our community of faith. I pray that you would bring opportunities in front of us that we might be able to serve others and love others. And God, I just pray that we would be a place that really is a healthy body, that we would love and serve each other in the way that you came and loved and served us. I pray all this in your name, amen.